Hello, welcome back to your next stop. I am Juliette Hahn. In the next few episodes, you guys are going to hear a compilation I did with Fran Rachopi, who is the Jedberg podcast. We got together at PodFest where we both were speaking and decided to put together a dual show with both of us interviewing some of the top people at PodFest. Hope you guys enjoy. Pick cherries. I'm picking a 60-second clip called a pick cherry. And I can send it to you. And if you like it, you can send it to Julia and she can send it to all her friends. And I had an idea, a crazy idea. While at PodFest, my special guest co-host, Juliet Hahn, and I jumped in with Stuart Kaufman, co-founder of Pick Cherries. Pick Cherries is a new podcasting app, just like Apple or Spotify. But what is different is that when you're listening to your favorite podcast, you can take a little special moment, which is called a Pick Cherry, and send that to your friends and family, just like you would an IG or a TikTok. Stuart not only explained how he's disrupting podcast promotion, but he also shared a bit about his life, including how a life-changing stroke in his mid-30s gave him a new perspective, how a friend's death has driven him to help others who suffer from addiction, and what it's like to produce a reality TV show. Take a listen and download Pick Cherries on iOS or Google Play, and then find your favorite moment in this episode and send it to your friends and family. Follow the Jedberg Podcast and your next stop on all social media and all podcast platforms. Check out the full video versions of this episode and all our PodFest conversations on YouTube. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Stu, welcome to the Jedberg Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's so excited to have you pick cherries here. We're here with Juliet Hahn from Your Next Stop. She has joined me on this adventure to come down here to Florida again because we were here a couple weeks ago. We're set up. We're in the hallway of the conference center. You were kind enough to spend some time with us. We've been talking over the last couple of days about Pick Cherries, what it is. Juliet's already on the platform. I'm waiting to get on the platform. You're going to be there <laughs> yeah, right. really uh, soon. The next, especially now. Right? Yeah. You know, I want to hear my voice on uh, Pick Cherries. <laughs> now we put the money right. in the bank. So yeah, time, exactly. I'm ready to cash it in. But I want to talk about Pick Cherries. I want to talk about Juliet's involvement in Pick Cherries. I want to talk about the idea behind it, the vision, where it is right now, and then get into your story and what motivated you to make the leap in the various initiatives that you've been in, whether it be mental health and overcoming adversity yourself. We're going to lay it all out there and have a quick conversation about it. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, very excited. And I'm really happy and grateful to be with you guys today and knowing you guys. Right, meeting in person. Oh, yeah, Which, absolutely. I mean, we've talked so yeah, many yeah. different times on the phone with text messages, yeah, yeah, and now yeah. we get to have a face to the name kind of thing. Oh, no, absolutely. Let's start off with Pick Cherries, the concept behind it, and the vision that you had to create this platform. It's interesting. There is a quote or a tweet by Elon Musk saying... He's got a few of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think I know him. Yeah, exactly. Good ideas always are crazy until they're not, Right. right? So I used to listen to Joe Rogan podcast at the gym at five o'clock in the I've morning. Heard of him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple and, of people listen to his podcast. And I would listen and I'd be like, oh, this is something that I talked about with Fran. So I would text you at five o'clock in the morning and say, listen, download Joe Rogan, go to this episode, go to one hour, 30 minutes, and 30 <laughs> seconds. And he was talking about rowing. And then I would call you later and said, hey, did you listen? And, and everybody was no, like, no, I'm, I'm not no. going to do that. 
I mean, how many times have we done that? Shared our, right. you got to listen to this. It's such a great interview. that is no one ever does it. Right. So you want me to find the podcast, download the podcast, find the section, and it's like, nah, I'm beyond that. Yeah, right. for one minute. Right, right, right. right. And I'm done. So right. I probably won't even like it anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So then I'm like, hey, pick cherries. I'm picking a 60-second clip called a pick cherry, and I can send it to you. And if you like it, you can send it to Julia, and she can send it to all her friends. And I had an idea, a crazy idea, and I would call my friends, some people that I know in business. Some people were like, that's a great idea. And then some people were like, that's stupid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and some people said, the technology is not there. And I'm like, okay, next. Go to the next one. Okay. Right. So I got together a bunch of podcasters, a bunch of technologists, and then a bunch of lawyers. Always. Yeah, you have to have lawyers. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, IP uh, lawyers. And we got together and I had the, I guess, great fortune of one of my friends and partners is friends with Jeff Hoffman, which is from Priceline.com and Booking.com. So when we met with him, he said, this is the same thing as what we did at Priceline. You have two-sided market. You have the hotels, the airlines, and then the travelers. Well, we have the same thing here. We have the podcasters right. and the listeners. And everybody is on board. They were like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And that is probably 18 months ago. And we just launched about three months ago. We just got a patent pending about a month ago. And now we have 1,000 podcasts and 150,000 episodes. Wow. And can I interject? Because it was really cool how we met. You, I think, reached out to me on LinkedIn. And Fran, we know we've talked about this before. You get so many messages like, hey, I want to pitch you this. I want to pitch you that. And for some reason, I said, yeah, I'll give you 10 minutes. And then you told me what it was all about. And I was like, wait, I need to know more about this. So that's how I got involved with Pick Cherries. And I have to say, it really has helped share my podcast. Because as Stuart said, like I would send people a podcast and say, oh, you got to listen. And no one ever does. And now you can take that little Pick Cherry, that snippet, and I can share it with my friends and family that really don't care about my podcast. You know, they're like, great, you're a podcast host. Uh, and now they're listening to it. And now they're listening to the whole episode, which is like what the whole end game is, which is really amazing. First of all, thank you very much. You are a early early adopter, and not only adopter, but you are a connector. Well, when I believe in something, I really go all in, and I feel like you're very oh, yeah. much the yeah, same absolutely. way. absolutely, and then you introduced me to uh, Fran, and it's great. And Jeff Hoffman says, we had all these marketing messages, and he says, stop, stop. Share podcasts like never before. That's it. Right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, very, just like super simple, straightforward. I mean, you're solving one of the biggest challenges that podcasters have. I mean, we put so much content out there. I mean, specifically, I mean, Juliet does, we do. And I find it all the time to be the most challenging part of the production of any episode, right? Because if you look at the production cycle, you got to identify the guests, you got to plan it, you got to record, you got to do it. And then you come to post-production and where it's actually like where the work begins. Right. Because our episodes in a lot of cases are an hour and a half, you know, sometimes two hours long. And I'll screen these episodes and then I'll put together the show notes, which can only be like 3,200 characters or Apple cuts it off. Right. Right. Even though they say 4,000, it still gets cut off. And then you have to figure out, well, what are the things that people are going to care about? Meanwhile, like I'm the one who has identified the guest, done the recording, prepared for it. So I have my vision of what I think people want to get out of the episode. But then how, when listeners listen, how do they identify and pick out other things that I may not have thought about they might like and then be able to share it? You're in the forest. 
Oh, and, that forest is thick and right, deep. Right. Right. It's like in selection when <laughs> in special force selection when you have to like go through the forest backwards because it's so thick and your backpack, your rucksack. Oh, really? You use your rucksack and you go backwards to break all the brush so you oh, don't well. take it in the face. Right. That's oh, what that's I feel right. like every day. Yeah, right. absolutely. So <laughs> your listeners, we're going to give you such analytics that you think that this is what they're uh, listening to or this is the big point but maybe the listeners are taking this as the big point yeah one of the things that we do also is social podcasting it's the intersection of social media and podcasting we took isolated event listening to podcasts yeah and made it a shared experience and people the consumers the listeners they love sharing and as we saw during the pandemic Everybody is social beings, so people like to share. I get up in the morning, and I'm ashamed to say, but the first thing I do, I go to TikTok. <laughs> and I'm like, let, let it out there. Let it, let it all out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here first, everyone. You heard it here first. This is what Sue does in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'll send it to uh, Juliet. My sister, my brother-in-law, unsubscribe because, like, enough. Like, only send me one a day. But people like sharing. So it's great for the podcasters. The podcaster is taking the notes taking the analytics and the listeners are sharing it and expanding your reach. And you brought a good point up. And what I love is we think that all the work that we do, when we put into it, this is what our listeners are going to want to listen to. But just like on social media, when you put a post up, we talked about this yesterday, oh, yeah. you put a post up and you're like, yes, that was such a great message. It was a great picture. It's going to be shared a thousand times. And it like literally is like zero, <laughs> like dead. 35. Right? right. And then you put, So defeating. <laughs> so defeating. Right. And then you throw something up. It's like, oh, I just got to put something up. And everyone loves it. And you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, what? So this is very similar to that, which that's what I love about it is it's really putting the listener where they can really socially interact with your podcast and send out the pieces that mean something, the quotes that mean something and say, hey, this is what I think you're going to love. So it's going to get a deeper connection to even your listeners with your audience. It's interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Before I got into this business, I thought like podcaster, you just sit down (laughs) and you interview me. Like there's no post-production, there's pre-production. You just have a conversation. Like even this, like the setup, it took us two hours to put this all together. And thank you for your help, by the way. Oh, of course, I, had, of I have support from the both of you to do this. <laughs> well, it took us, as we're, as we're twisting we, we, the things. We didn't do anything. I like, <laughs> like, plugged a couple things. And we were like, wow, like, it's really, <laughs> he's very neat and concise. We were, and I, think, I think they do in the Army, just carry a clipboard and look up. Supervise. It's the step of troop leading procedures. Yeah, supervise. Exactly. <laughs> right. You were a good teacher. And I felt like we did a couple good things. Yeah, we, yeah, we learned. Exactly. We learned some stuff. I want to ask you about your background for a minute. And there's two specific things that you and I talked about yesterday that I think are really important because it really talks about your journey. And the first one is we talk about adversity on a number of our conversations and you suffered a a serious stroke at a young age. Yes. And can you talk about what happened and the details behind that and then how you effectively, you said you had to go back to nursery school. Yeah, it's interesting. Like back then, I would never expect 20 years later being interviewed by you guys on a podcast. Right. Besides the fact that we didn't have podcasts 20 years ago. Yeah, right, that's right. true. <laughs> but outside of that. <laughs> fair point, fair point. <laughs> you know, I had a great life. I had two companies. It was great. And all of a sudden, I had this flu. 
I went home from my office, took a cold and flu tablet, and it was recalled and expired. I didn't know. I don't take anything. I found it, and I took it. I went to sleep. I woke up, and I couldn't feel my shoulder. And I'm like, huh, maybe I slept on it. Maybe I'm dreaming. So I went back to sleep, woke up again, and I'm like, all right, there's a problem. I went out of bed, and I fell because I was paralyzed. And I called my office, and I couldn't speak. You know, I'm 35 years old, so I had no idea that I was having a stroke. And I'm like, the last thing on your mind, 35 years old. So I called again, and our assistant hung up because I couldn't say anything. It was a prank call, right? It was going on and on and on. And then I'm like, I guess this is it. I had a good life, and all of a sudden, I heard the ambulance, and all of a sudden, I relaxed. They came and got me, and I had a major stroke. And it took me about three months to say anything, and really about two or three years to, like, I would never even imagine having this set up, talking with people around, and it took me a while to be more comfortable in uh, society. But it humbled me, like, apparently I was a little bit of arrogant. <laughs> I, we all are at there. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, God, like, all right, you need to be a little bit humbled. And it worked. And that led to other businesses and helping people because I learned my lesson. Right. And what are the residual effects today? Thank God I ate healthy. I go to the gym every day. I don't drink because I experience bad health. So I don't pronounce some things well. I can't feel my right hand but everything else, very thankful that I'm here right now. So I have a question. Your family, like when that happened, did they rally? Was it scary for them? You know, I grew up with the same five guys since I was four years old. And I remember waking up in the hospital in the morning with my five guys there, my parents and my sister. And it was the greatest feeling for about 30 seconds. And then I'm like, oh my God. I'm dying. Yeah. Oh, like, right, there's no right. way. Oh, like, right. Everyone's here, right. And everybody's coming from New Jersey, New York. And I'm like, oh, my God. All right. And then little by little, I got a little bit better. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I was very fortunate. I sold my company. So I didn't have the financial pressure. But everybody was unbelievable. Some people, actually, my karate master, I looked up to him so much. And my sister called and said, listen, you need to see Stu so you can rally him. And I remember him coming into the hospital room. He looks at me and he was like weak person because he was not. He couldn't handle it. Yeah. And this is going to take it for a second, but I had a friend that had frontal lobe dementia. She died at 42. I don't know if you know this story, but you literally lost when you have dementia. She literally became a child and her entire friend group could not handle seeing her that way. I was the only one in the end that would visit her every week and go and I would literally like wrestle with her. She was like a kid. I would wrestle with her. She couldn't speak and I would bring my kids because I wanted them to still like this is Susie. And it, it does. Some people can't handle it. It's not bad. No, because I remember that's what I said. I, other people were like, I can't believe they're not coming and they're doing this. And that's what I said is everyone does the best that they can. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so, interesting. And I love that you, yeah, said that. Before I got sick, I would never visit anybody in the hospital because it's depressing or whatever. And all of a sudden, my neighbors that I really don't know, they would visit me. And I'm like, wow. And it would make me happy and excited. And I'm like, okay. So now, whether I want to or not, 
if someone is in the hospital, or even if someone that I've never met that had a stroke that is friends with a friend, I'll go. And, and that's just, amazing, you know, yeah. And yeah. Because I went through my experience. Well, a sense right. of gratitude yep. really fills that void that you're talking about. But that brings up another initiative that you have, and that's around mental health and addiction. And you've been very instrumental in founding a facility for, right, right. for rehabilitation and to focus on mental health because you also had an experience very deeply touched you with a friend of yours. And I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about your initiatives around, around that world. Absolutely. One of my friends, my first friend in Florida, was a great Paul. business... Paul, that's right. Oh, good yeah. memory. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> Paul had a Ferrari. Yeah. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's really funny. I'll go back to this. But <laughs> when I had my stroke and Paul visited me and my friends from New Jersey didn't know Paul and he walked into the room and everybody says he can't speak yet. He said, Stu, what is my last car? A Ferrari. <laughs> and all my guys were like, who is this guy? <laughs> right, right. That's so funny. Yeah, you know, and you remember, I had a Bentley. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> Why is he coming talk about his cars? Yeah. But anyway, so he was an alcoholic, and I had no context. My dad is a CPA. I'm a CPA. My two grandfathers were CPAs. So there's no addiction in my house. All of a sudden, I'm dealing with this, and I had no idea how to help him. Yeah, I would give him tough love, but that doesn't work. Yeah. One day he came over and he was yellow. His liver is not working. And he went to the hospital and he died 90 days later. So as an entrepreneur, I wanted to learn and then help people. So I started the core centers in Fort Lauderdale. I ran it for about five or six years and we sold it. And I'm like, all right, what should I do next? And I loved intervention on TV, on A&E. And essentially, that's the story of addiction. Right. I wanted to do the story of hope and inspiration and second chances and redemption. And I've never done anything in TV or media. I said, I'm going to start a TV show called Addiction Unplugged and chronicle people that are helping other people and humanize addiction and mental health. And so we had 10 episodes right after intervention on A&E, and then COVID happened. So we're thinking about having another season soon. That it just comes across is like your heart. And you said that that experience, your stroke, really then humbled you and brought you to where you're like, I want to help others. I want to tell other stories. And it's interesting because our podcasts, that is about storytelling, yeah. right? And it's about stories and what people have done with experiences in their lives to better other people's experience. So you can see and feel your heart. And I know everyone that's listening really can feel that. And your story is a powerful story. Going back to Pick Cherries. I love getting all these well-known podcasts, but I'm always rooting for the underdog because I think I'm an underdog myself. Right. So, yeah, it's great to have I Am Rappaport and all these big, but I love the one that has 500 or they're just right. starting. Right. And it's all about everybody's uh, voice needs to be heard. One of our shareholders and one of our founding group is Kim. She is the boat boss. Right. And she interviews a lot of people in the marine industry. And she is a CEO in a male-dominated industry. Right. And it's just so cool what she's doing. Right. 
and just like you, and you have your experience, you have your experience, and it's great. We don't have to go through networks and right. talk to the publicists and, and talk to all the different people. It's one-stop shop. Right. Yeah. Call me. <laughs> right. yeah, but it's honest and it's genuine and right. you can't bullshit 10 episodes or 100 episodes. No, and what I think you're saying is, and it's also special, is when you talk about what Picked Cherries is, you really need to be talking to the podcaster, right? Oh, so yeah. a team is not going to always understand what it is about and what it can actually do for their podcast. I mean, I think that is something that's really important. It's one of those things you need to talk to the person. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Stu, I appreciate you taking some time. Pick Cherries is awesome. We're going to be on there soon. Juliet's already on there. People will pick certain cherries out of this conversation. Yes, absolutely. And they'll be able to share that with their friends. I look forward to working with you in the future, watching you guys grow, because this is super exciting. And I've watched everybody over the past couple of days coming up to you, talking to you, and every single person who's interacted with you has said the exact same thing. This is a really cool platform, and I need it. Absolutely. That's meaningful. And really, I love to grow with you guys. We've been active for, I think, three months. Again, we have a thousand podcasts right away. So I know that it's validating my premise. Right. right? And it's great because in a year or two, we'll be like, you right, know, we right, did, did this. this right. did it's it. so and fun. I, yeah. It's the greatest. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Yes, thanks, so. Awesome. American Jedbergs went out to form the foundation of the United States Special Forces and the Special Activities Director to the Central Intelligence Agency. Thanks for listening to the Jedberg Podcast. I'm your creator and host, Fran Rachopi. Join us next week for a new episode on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube for full episodes, highlights, and other behind-the-scenes content. If you like what you heard, give us a like and leave a review. Follow me, Fran Rachopi, Talent War Group, and our sponsor, Jersey Mike Subs, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Send your comments and inquiries to media at talentwargroup.com. As former members of Special Operations Forces, the Jedberg Podcast and Talent War Group contribute a percentage of all profits to the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, supporting the families of our fallen warriors. Thanks for joining us on this episode. How you prepare today determines success tomorrow.